for being here tonight, God, and we ask that you bless your word, God. Lord, in our lives, Lord, there's so many distractions, Lord, and, and it makes it easy for our heart to get off target. And God, I, I want to love you, Lord, with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. And so I pray tonight, God, that we would do that by putting our attention to you, God, and in your word. So help us, Lord, to keep our heart turned to you and focus upon you. Help us to be fully dedicated to you. So we ask you, bless your word, may your spirit speak, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, last year, last August it was, a 11-year boy completed his mission to deliver donuts to police agency in all 50 states. You might remember that. He was called the Donut Boy. Tyler uh, Karak started in Florida and then two years later took uh, he came to Hawaii, the very last state. He went to every island, and his last very uh, stop was on Kauai to finish his whole mission. And that was 90,000 donuts later, and he ate them all. No, just kidding. <laughs> well, there on Kauai, the, the mayor, uh, Derek uh, Kawakami, presented him with a proclamation certificate of recognizing him for his service and, and the mission that he did. And so... Uh, he completed all 50 states and everything. Well, what is this dedicated boy going, going to do next? Well, on his Facebook page, he said this, more, like thank you events, uh, grantee needs for agencies, and helping family, fallen uh, officers, children, and families. And then he said this on his Facebook, I'm just getting started. <laughs> I love that. I love his dedicated heart there. I mean, he put so much effort, he put so much into what he really believed in. And you know, that made me think, do we do that? Do I do that? Do I put all that kind of time and effort into what I believe in? I mean, Jesus Christ, his kingdom, you know, how real he is in my life and, 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 and how I live for him. Do I really put that much time and effort? Am I dedicated like that? Well, tonight we return to our study in our verse by verse study in the book of Luke. And here we find how Joseph and Mary, and a man named Simon, and a woman named Anna, they are just like this. They have this. They have the dedicated heart. And that's the title of our message tonight the dedicated heart. We're going to be studying Luke chapter 21 from verse, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2 from verse 21 through 20, uh, 38 tonight. Uh, our outline is this. We're going to see three things. The parents' presentation, Mr. Simeon's prophecy, and number three, Miss Anna's praise. I might have done a little typo there on the notes there, but it's uh, from verse 21 through 38 tonight. That's what we're going to take. So let's begin here with the par parents' presentation. The parents' presentation. Now, in this section, we're going to cover from verse 21 through 24, but, um, and, uh, and then I'll give those to you as we go. But take a look at here from verse 21 to 24. It reads, At the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 
as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. And so we'll stop there for our first section. Now, we begin with verse 21. It says, and at the end of days. Well, what days are we talking about? Well, we're talking about after Jesus was born, uh, at the end of eight days, it came to that time. Now, remember last time we, we went over Jesus's birth, like, like in two studies, right? We saw when Jesus was born, when the shepherds came here in chapter two. And so now we come to this place, eight days after he was born, well, what happened? Well, he was circumcised. Now, that's what Jewish law, Jewish uh, way of doing things, that's what they do. On the eighth day, um, a baby boy is circumcised. And so that's exactly what they did. And at the time of circumcision, just like we saw with John the Baptist, right? He was officially named this baby boy, and he was called Jesus. And that was the name the angel gave. Remember back in Luke chapter 1, verse 31, right, when uh, he came and talked to Mary about it. So officially, his name is Jesus, and he circumcises according to the Jewish laws. Well, then in verse 22, it says, And when the time, now another time came, for their purification according to what? The law of Moses, the Jewish laws, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, first of all, when we talk about purification, it really refers to Mary the mother. You see, 33 days after circumcision, then the mother is to be ceremonially purified because she was unclean because she gave birth, basically, ceremonial. So after a period of time prescribed in the law of Moses, then the mother and Mary here would go to the temple and uh, show herself and they would offer sacrifice and then she would be cleansed. And then at the same time, they presented him, that is Jesus, the baby to the Lord. And what that is, is what is explained in verse 23. As written in the law of the Lord, again, the Moses' law, the Jewish law, right? Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. In other words, the firstborn male child is to be presented to the Lord, uh, dedicated to the Lord, the firstborn, like the first fruits are God's. Well, the firstborn is given to the Lord. And so Jesus is the firstborn between uh, with Mary and Joseph. And so he is presented to the Lord, dedicated to God. And notice this is called holy to the Lord in verse 23. Remember, holy means like separated. So he's separated unto the Lord. Uh, the firstborn is always uh, presented in that way. So that's what's going on here. And the, they brought a sacrifice. Verse 24 says, And to offer a sacrifice according to what? The law of the Lord. Again, according to the Jewish laws and everything. A pair of turtle doves or a pair of uh, young pigeons. Now, uh, obviously Luke doesn't know exactly what was given in sacrifice. But the interesting thing here is this. Uh, usually, uh, by the law, it says to bring a lamb, to sacrifice a lamb, and a turtle dove or a pigeon, a young pigeon, a bird, in that way. Well, here we see that there's two, either two turtle doves or two pigeons, because the law also allowed for anyone who could not afford a lamb, that they, rather than a lamb, they could substitute it with another turtle dove or another young pigeon. So this, they brought two birds, basically, for their 
offering a sacrifice for the dedication uh, to uh, the Lord, the firstborn and all. And you can tell with this that they were poor, that they didn't have a lot because that they just did what the law allowed them to if they couldn't afford a lamb. So here we see the parents' presentations. These dedications uh, showed, really, you see their effort, right? They put in to follow the law of Moses, to f- follow the Jewish laws, what the word had prescribed for them to do. And that's what they're following to do. Now, I think it's interesting. Even though in here it doesn't say Bethlehem, I, I feel like that Jesus was circumcised in Bethlehem. I mean, he was only eight days old, right? I don't think you travel. Remember, they travel like seven, 70 miles, right, from Nazareth, their hometown, and all the way to Bethlehem because of the census, right? And that's where Jesus was born, fulfilled the prophecy. The shepherds in Bethlehem came and saw the baby, all that we saw. So I, I believe, even though it doesn't say that, Jesus was probably circumcised in Bethlehem. And that's where they called him Jesus. And then they traveled to Jerusalem because it says here in verse 22 that they brought him up up to Jerusalem there. So it was in Jerusalem, five miles north of Bethlehem, that they did the purification ceremony and the firstborn ceremony. Now understand, they did not have to do it in Jerusalem. They could have done it probably in that synagogue in Bethlehem, but they did it in Jerusalem. They did not have to do that. But I believe, I think they wanted to show the Lord their heart, that they wanted to go to Jerusalem, that they wanted to be there, that they wanted to happen there. And I I believe they just wanted to show their heart of dedication, really, in doing that. I mean, think about, you know, traveling with a young baby like that. I mean, back then, it's not like we have our nice cars and air conditioning, right, and and all that. Think about that. Think about the traveling expenses that would incur, incur, and they would still need to probably travel north now back home to Nazareth. And you know what? When they went to Jerusalem, they would have to pay five shekels. That was what you give also in addition to uh, dedicating the firstborn child. Now, one shekel back there it could feed a small family for one week. So imagine five shekels now, you know, more than a month's wages there. So, and then they probably had just enough, that's why, to buy two birds. Not a lamb, but the two birds. And they maybe had just enough to get home. You know what I feel like? I feel like they went above and beyond what was even required, you know, for them to really do. I mean, they could have just hung out in Jerusalem. I don't know if it's cheap. I mean, Bethlehem, I don't know if it's cheap or whatever, but maybe it would have saved them some money, you know, at least. But they went above and beyond. They, they wanted to show the Lord their heart. So here's what I want you to see. We find Joseph and Mary's dedicated heart here. As much as they could, without holding back, they fully followed the word. Without holding back, they fully followed the word. And I would say even then some, you know, they even did more. I read about this couple. They were discussing the possibility of going to Israel. And the husband piped up and said, oh, it would be great to go to Jerusalem. It would be great to stand there where the temple was and on the temple mount. It would be great to shout the Ten Commandments in Israel and Jerusalem on the temple mount. Well, then the wife said, well... I think it would be better if we stayed home and keep them. Keep the commandments, that is. Well, Joseph and Mary showed their dedicated heart by keeping God's word, by following the word. No matter where they went, they wanted to fully follow 
the word. Without holding back, they fully follow the word. How is your dedication lately? How is your dedicated heart? Has, it, has your dedication been a little shallow, maybe not going too deep? Maybe it doesn't go too far. Maybe there's an ending point of your dedication. Some people, their dedication is just right here in church. But once you get out the door, it's a different story. Some people, it's Sunday, all day Sundays. But the rest of the week, no, not too much. How's your dedication tonight? Or how about this? How's your dedication? Is it easily broken? Is it easily defeated? I mean, are you being careful to follow the word of God, what it says? Or is it easier to, to just let things slide? Ah, uh, I'll do it another day. Ah, uh, I, I know I got to do it, but uh, I'm not sure. Or maybe choosing convenience over commitment is easier. You know what a dedicated heart really shows? You know what putting in the effort shows? It shows that you love God. That's what it shows. That's what we're showing the Lord when we really stick to following the word here. Turn over to the left. Turn over to Mark chapter 12. Just the next gospel over. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Here it says, Mark 12, 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's how we're to love God. With all of our heart, you guys. With all of our soul, our whole being. With all of our mind, everything in our mind, and all of our strength, you guys. Oh, I, I, today, I, I felt like um, the Lord was speaking to me about my mind, you know. That sometimes it's not all dedicated to the Lord, and I'm allowing things there that shouldn't be there. Like worry. And, and God spoke to me this morning. God's word to me was that, when I worry, I get obsessed with that worry. And I thought, oh, what a word, obsessed. I was thinking, that's so true. Sometimes I get caught up in this worry and I get obsessed, obsessed about it. And I start, you know, thinking too much on it. And not just, hey, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. How about you? Are you doing all you can to love the Lord? Now, take this verse and put it with John chapter 14. Turn over to John chapter 14. The one after Luke. John chapter 14. And look at verse 15. John 14, 15. It says here, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's pretty heavy, yeah? John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So put those two together, right? If we're, We need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we show our love by keeping His commandments, by following His word. So let us not hold anything back. Let us fully follow the word. That's what Joseph did. And that's what God wants us to do. So we can have the dedicated heart. Well, let's go to number two now. Number two here. Let's go to Mr. Simeon's prophecy. Mr. Simeon's prophecy. Now here we're going to be covering chapter. Uh, Luke 2 from verse 25 through 35. But first of all, take a look at verse 25 and 26 with me. 
Verse 25 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Let's stop right there. So here, now, there was a guy, this man in Jerusalem. He, he lived in that city. He lived there. His name was Simeon, Mr. Simeon, we'll call him. And this man, we find out he is righteous and devout. That means he, he had that dedicated heart. He lived for God. He did everything he can to live for God. And this man, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Um, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So he was waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel. And you know what that's talking about? is the Messiah. He is waiting for the Messiah to bring salvation, to rescue the nation, to help the nation and bring comfort, consolation to the, to the nation. And so this guy, who had a dedicated heart, who was waiting for the Lord, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Spirit that, he would not see death before he's seen the Messiah, the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Messiah. So the Holy Spirit told him, you're going to see the Messiah. You're going to see him before you pass. You're going to actually see this Messiah. So he's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. You know what? Tradition says that he was actually 113 years old at this time, tradition says. He was hanging on, right? I mean, 113, he must have really been hanging on. We'll take a look at verse 27 through 32 now. It says, And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So here's Mr. Simeon, the Spirit. It says here in verse 27, and he came in the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit led him, like told him, go to the temple right now. So he goes to the Jewish temple here, and when he goes there, guess who's there? Joseph, Mary, the baby Jesus, and right there, perhaps maybe they had just finished maybe the, the firstborn ceremony and a purification ceremony. That's my guess. That they just finished. Maybe they're coming out. Maybe they're right there, uh, however that is. But right there, they meet by chance. No, it's, the, it's God, right? By the Holy Spirit, they're there. And then at that moment, at that exact, exact time and place, here's Simeon. Uh, and I can imagine, could, I mean, the Holy Spirit said, go, and then he goes. And I'm sure the Holy Spirit told him, there's, there's the Messiah, that baby. And I'm sure he came up to the parents and go, that's the baby. And they're probably like, what? You know, a stranger, right? Mr. Simeon, someone they don't know. And this stranger says, may I hold the baby? I mean, what would you do? <laughs> but there must have been something. Maybe he said something else. There must have been something in his eyes. There must have been something that maybe the spirit in their own hearts of the parents said, wait, there's something in this. And so they hand the baby Jesus to Simeon. Can you imagine Simeon holding the baby? Can you imagine like tears welling up in his eyes? He's been waiting for this. And here is the Messiah. He's holding him in his arms. And he blessed God. He thanked God. Lord, 
Oh, I bless you. I worship you. Lord, he says in, in verse 29, right? Now you're letting your servant depart in peace. Now I could die in peace. You did it according to your word. And my eyes have seen your salvation, the Messiah here, and that you have prepared. And I think he's saying there that, that you have planned from way before to send here yeah, to the people that you have prepared before all of us, that you have planned to do this. And now here, the Messiah is here. And then in verse 32, he says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. In other words, the Messiah, Jesus, is going to be a light of truth given to the Gentiles. He's, he's God, and he's going to reveal God's truth, his word, salvation to the Gentiles. Interesting, right? Gentiles are mentioned here, all of the world. And he adds here in verse 32, for glory to your people Israel. Jesus came out of, of Israel. He came out of the Jewish nation. And so the Messiah comes out, and for glory, for God's glory, the Messiah is here before Israel, whom God promised to Israel for so long. So what an amazing moment this was for Mr. Simeon. What an amazing confirmation, right, of who this baby is. This is Simeon's prophecy right here. He's unfolding this right now. He's saying who, who this baby is. Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Remember, our other message is talking about the dawn of grace. Well, the sun is up. The light is here. Jesus has come. The Messiah is here. And he's bringing light into the dark world, in the darkness of the world at that time. You know, I have to say that Jesus is the light that shines into our darkness, right? Even in the darkness in the world today. He's the light of truth that shines out, that gives us hope. He shows us the truth of what salvation is, what it really means, and how we can know to know God, to be free of the bondage of our own sin. Listen, you guys, Jesus is the light, and he's come to show us the way out. And maybe you're here tonight, and maybe tonight the darkness has been creeping into your life. There's darkness, or you're starting to... Think things that, that, that you, you never wanted to think ever. And they're starting to creep into your mind. Maybe there's some actions and things starting to come out in your life. Some darkness starting to creep in and pull on you. And, and you're beginning to lose control over that. Jesus is the light that can help you in that darkness. And free you and save you from that. Maybe you're, you're connected online. And you're watching right now or you're watching this even later. And you know what I'm talking about, that darkness that's starting to pull at you? That's what Simeon was talking about here. That's what Jesus came to save you from, to save us from, that darkness. And he is the light that can save us, you guys. All we need to do is go to him. Will you follow him and let him free you from that darkness? All right, well, let's go on here, verse 33 to 35. It says, and his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. They were just 
astonished. They're like, whoa, here's Mr. Simeon, a guy they don't know. Come, hold the baby and say all these things. They're blown away. But think about, this is another confirmation, right? I mean, the angel had talked to them both, right? The uh, remember Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, the priest. Remember Zechariah, the priest and his wife, John the Baptist's parents, had talked about that the baby is the Messiah. Remember that. Remember the shepherds came last week, and they even spoke about this. And now here is another confirmation. They just marvel, like, "Wow, God, wow." Well, you're, you are doing something here. Then verse 34, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And his sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So then Simeon blesses them. But then he says this. He turns to Mary now. And he looks at Mary and he says, Behold, this baby, maybe he, he handed the baby back or maybe not, but he's saying this baby, Jesus, is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. In other words, many are going to be stumbled by him. They're not going to believe that this is the Messiah, that he is the Messiah. Some will arise, some will believe, and they will arise, but some will be stumbled. And then he says, for a sign that is opposed. Jesus is going to do a lot of miracles and signs to show that he is the Messiah. Yet, there will be people who oppose him and do not believe in him. And then he says this to Mary, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. All this that you see, when people oppose him, it's going to break your heart. The word sword here is the, not the little dagger. The Greek word is for the big broad sword, the giant sword. And he's saying, it's going to break your heart apart to see your own son be opposed, right? And he says here, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. It's going to reveal their hearts on how they hate Jesus, that they want to kill Jesus, those who oppose Jesus. And we know what happened, right? He was put upon a cross, and he died on the cross, and that's going to break the mother's heart. So Simeon's prophecy here is saying, yes, he is the Messiah, yet he's going to go through some troubles. It's not going to be, oh, I'm going to come take over everything and everything's okay. There's going to be some things that are going to happen. I don't know how much Mary understood this, but we know he was put upon the cross. So Simeon's prophecy was saying, hey, things are going to happen to Jesus and it's going to break your heart. Now, the interesting thing here, do you notice something here? Simeon, only mentions Mary. What about Joseph? I mean, me as a dad, my heart would be broken too. Yeah, see, my own kids go through things. What? What about Joseph? He only addresses Mary. Well, from here on, we're gonna. Uh, well, actually, after this chapter, we're not gonna see too much uh, uh, Joseph around. Something happens. By the time Jesus starts his ministry, he's not around. When he dies on the cross, it's only Mary, the mother, is there at the cross. So most believe that perhaps maybe he died, you know, he passed away, and Mary, uh, the mother, became a widow. So we don't, we don't know exactly, but he wasn't around. So that's why he, he, Simeon prophesied all this, and he only mentions Mary. Well, how did Simeon know all of this? You know how? It was his 
connection to God. It was, con- it, it was his connection to the Holy Spirit. You see what I see? Uh, you see what I see? Hey, how do you like that? What I see is his persistent dedication brought about a Holy Spirit connection so he can hear from God. That's what I see. I mean, take, take a look over at um, verse 25 again. It says at the end, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And then, look at the next verse, 26. It says, and he had been, it had been revealed by him by the what? Holy Spirit. And then look at verse 27. He came in the Spirit. So you notice, there's a lot of Spirit mentioned here. And so I believe, I believe God is putting to us right now how he prophesied. He's putting to us that he had this connection to the Holy Spirit. And that's how he can hear, prophesy, and, and, and be such an a instrumental com- confirmation here to the parents. So Simeon's prophecy shows that this. A short leash with the Holy Spirit keeps, keeps you long on your connection with God. Think about that. A short leash with the Holy Spirit keeps you long on your connection with God. The other day, um, when I was surfing, um, John Baker, from he's the one who does uh, J316, yeah, um, and he, he was out just riding his longboard, and, and he, was, he was surfing without a leash, you know, the, the cord that attaches to the board and then to your ankle. And he was surfing without that. And it was a small day, and he probably really didn't need it. And uh, we're surfing another guy on a, on a longboard, and we're, I, was, I was noticing, hey, no more leash. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I don't like to wear it. Uh, and then the other guy's uh, on a longboard, he had no leash too. And he goes, yeah, you know, it makes you better surfer because you can't fall, and, you know, you try not to fall and, and, and surf real good. And, and I was thinking, yeah, that's, that's great, guys. But, you know, I, I fall all the time. <laughs> I, I, I need that leash. I mean, it's, it's my lifeline, right? You know, maybe it's because I take a lot of chances or I goof around too much or something. But me, I need my leash there. My leash keeps me connected to the board, right? So I w- will not get separated with my board. And especially if you're on a huge day and there's a lot of water churning or, or there's a lot of force in the wave and, and, you, and you don't have your leash or your leash breaks you know what, you're swimming. <laughs> Your board is gone. Or, or there's even, I know guys in certain spots where it gets dangerous when it's big and they get caught in a current and they couldn't get out, but God saved them. And that's another story. But, but yeah, so you know, the leash you know, connects you to the board so you're not separated from the board. So you're never too far from it. Well, this is Simeon. This is Simeon. Simeon, being in the temple at the right time, his prophecy that he said about the child, of, uh, about Mary and what's going to happen in the future, it's because he's connected to the Spirit. Simeon has that short leash with the Holy Spirit, and that's why he's long on his connection with God. That's why he, he's always walking in the Spirit. He always can hear. God is always guiding him. Let me ask you tonight, how is your relationship with the Spirit of God? How is that? You ever talk about, I mean, think about that? 
Sometimes I don't think we're aware. Sometimes we just go on our way and we don't think about the Holy Spirit in your life. The role that he plays in your life. The important role he has in your life. Sometimes it's, it, it, it's the last thing on our mind. You know what? Sometimes people think that, well, you've got to be special to really have this kind of connection with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe the Holy Spirit comes on special situations and emergencies. Oh, no, the Holy Spirit is only for pastors, you know. Or the Holy Spirit is for the extra credit people. But you know what? The Holy Spirit working in your life, like with Simeon, it's the norm. It should be the norm. After Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, when the Spirit came and baptized all the, all the believers there, that became the norm for you and I. Yeah, what Simeon had here, that was, that was not usual. But after Christ, after he died on the cross, rose again, and the Spirit came, that is normal now. You know, Jesus said, oh, if, if, if you don't know or if you don't have the Spirit, just ask. Just ask. He said in Luke eleven thirteen, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It's normal for us. And I'll tell you guys, that's how we should be living. I want to live like Simeon here. I want to have that short leash with the Holy Spirit and have a long connection with God, yeah? that I'm always there hearing Him, guided by Him. That's the norm. Vance Hamner said, I saw in a church bulletin board these words, religion is bread for daily use, not cake for special occasions. And I like that. He actually went on to talk about how the grace of God, some people think it's just cake, it's not bread. Or, or the experience of God is thought as something, well, it's only for Sunday or uh, something extra irregular or an occasion. And then he says, instead of the normal experience of every Christian, it should be our everyday meal, the life in the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want what Mr. Simeon had. Maybe, maybe we don't, you know, because we don't, maybe we don't have that connection. Maybe because we lack the dedication. So let's be instead be people that have this kind of heart, the dedicated heart. Let's go on to number three now, Miss Anna's praise. Miss Anna's praise, and we'll finish up here. Uh, we're going to be finishing up 36 through 38 in our section, but for the first two verses, verse 36 and 37, it says, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And we'll stop there. Isn't this amazing now? Then came this prophetess, Anna. Uh, she was from the tribe of Asher. We don't know who Phanuel is. And she was advanced in years. Verse 37 tells us she was 84 years old. And she was a widow. She was married for seven years, you know, it was, uh, it was her first marriage since she was young and then uh, the husband died but since then she was a widow and all the years after that she did not depart from the temple she was, she was, she was dedicated to worshiping God and being in prayer I like something Barton put in this way about Anna in his commentary he said that she never left the temple means that she made her life 
occupation to be at worship whenever the doors of the temple were open. Don't you love that? I like that phrase, life occupation. She made it her job. That was what she wanted to do more than anything. And I I love that, the way he put that. Then verse 38. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So right when I believe, right when Simeon probably was praising God and saying this prophecy, right after uh, Joseph and Mary had dedicated Jesus, all this is happening, doom, doom, boom, and then boom, here comes Anna, right at that moment, maybe she hears the prophecy from Simeon, and then she comes up and she gives thanks to God. She recognizes the baby to be the Messiah, and she begins to speak of him, the baby, of this is the Messiah. And she began to share that to everyone who's been waiting. And, and so she, she's a prophetess, so she begins to talk of Jesus in that same way. I mean, God's timing was perfect, right? This was Anna's praise, and it gave another confirmation of who this baby boy is. This is Jesus, Messiah, here. And I, you know what I was thinking? She didn't miss the Messiah because her heart was to come and worship God every day. She was just coming and doing what she always did. And then she came and experienced this and got to see and meet the Messiah right there. Oh, what a heart. I love that because, you know what, if we don't have that desire, we don't come and come to church, we can miss an experience with God that he wants to give us. I love her heart here. Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's, that's the psalmist, right? David saying, oh, one thing, one thing. You know what I seek, what I want? is to be with God, to be to dwell in the house of the Lord, to go to the temple all the days of my life. I, I, I think that was probably um, Anna's life verse. <laughs> so as we focus in, in what Anna uh, and, and her heart did, this is our last point. Dedication means your life revolves around what you love. Dedication means your life revolves around what you love. Some years back, I read about this 40-year-old single man from New York. He won the National Scrabble Championship. The prize was $25,000. Anyone ever play Scrabble? You guys play Scrabble? Yeah? Um, He beat his competitors with words like uh, helicoid, I guess it's a geometric surface, or vug, it's a small cavity in a rock. So you can use those next time. And when... When he was asked, what is the secret to your success? You know what he said? I play Scrabble, and that's all I do. (laughs) Crazy. Everything he did was about Scrabble. He revolved around that one thing. Well, this is what we see with, with, with Anna here, right? Her dedication is seeing how her life revolves on what she loves, God, worshiping God. Let me ask you, what does your life revolve around? What does it revolve around? It's those things that you don't try and get out of. (laughs) 
It's those things that you push everything aside for. It's those things that it doesn't matter how inconvenient it is, you're going to do it, you're going to be there. So let me ask you, what would you put in the blank here if I say my life revolves around blank? What would you put there? Or maybe I I would ask it this way. What is the master passion of your life? What is that? You know, I know things can creep into our hearts. I know things can distract us. But you know, when they start to distract us, I want you to look at it as a test. I want you to look at it as a test to see how dedicated you really are. To see how much effort you're going to really make to keep it Jesus. Jesus is the, Jesus is the pride, priority. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. That's what we need to do. We need to dedicate our hearts to Jesus. We need to dedicate our lives to Him. Like Romans 12.1, right? That we are to be living sacrifices, right? That our lives be dedicated, put upon the altar. But you know what the problem with that is? We're, we're, we crawl off the altar, don't we? But we got to, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, keep ourselves there on the altar of God. Let me close with this. Years ago, someone asked a concert violinist who played for New York's Carnegie Hall, how did she become such an accomplished musician? How did she become so skilled on an instrument? Well, she said the secret to her skill and talent was by planned neglect. She explained that uh, she planned to neglect everything and anything that was not related to her goal. I like that. I like that. Sometimes we just let whatever and anything come by our way and distract us or get in our way and get in our hearts. But we need to plan to neglect those things that will compete with our heart being dedicated to the Lord. That's what I need to do. That's what we need to do. Maybe we need to look at our hearts and our minds and all and clean house. Maybe we need to do a little house cleaning and get things right and sort it out. But when we do, then you and I, we can be like these here and have the dedicated heart. Let's all stand and I want to close with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, you are all that I need. God, I think about why do I seek other things? Why do I try and fill things that only you can fill? Why, why do I seek out other things when I should seek out you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength? God, our hearts, Lord, we know what's right. Our, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and God, we long for you. And so, Lord, Create in us a new heart, Lord. Renew a right spirit within us, God. Lord, help us to desire you more above you above everything else, Lord. So much so that we have a true passion for you and we do not want to leave. God, I pray that you would spark our hearts once again and put a flame of fire for only you. For you are God, you are Lord, 
and there's no one else but you. God, you've done so much for us, Lord. How can we go to anything else? Help us now, in Jesus' name. Amen.